Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 228 of the Intentional Growth Podcast. And today's guest name is Anise Kavanaugh. And Anise is the author of the book called Contagious Culture, How to Show Up, Set the Tone, and Intentionally Create an Organization that Thrives, as well as Contagious You, Unlock Your Power to Influence, Lead, and Create the Impact that You Want. Anise has been interviewed by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, New York Times. She's been on the Art of Charm podcast. She's been a presenter at Inbound, the HubSpot Conference, Emerging Women, and many other entrepreneurial conferences. Over the years, Anissa's experience working with leaders and individuals and cultures led her to create her methodology called the IEP method, and that stands for Intention, Energy, and Presence. And the point of the IEP method is because, it, and the IEP method is a methodology devoted to helping us show up create the impact we want in our lives and our relationships with clarity, integrity, and generosity, all without burnout, exhaustion, or giving ourselves away or sacrificing all the things that we've deemed important to ourselves. Anissa has worked with tons of great companies that a lot of people would recognize like Fitbit, Nike, Vistaprint, IBM, and many more, and why these big companies as well as mid-market entrepreneurial companies that we are going to be talking about, the Small Giants community and Bo Burlingham, a lot of the common people that I've had on this podcast, she's the leading voice on intention, energy, and presence in leadership and cultures. She helps people unlock greater leadership potential, collaborate more inspiringly, create more openly into it more bravely, and lead more joyfully and effectively. This is not just fluffy stuff. We're going to be talking about how to become aware of how you're showing up and the impact and ripple effect that your leadership style has on your executives, your culture, your employees, all the way down to the frontline workers, the spouses and family of your employees, everybody that is stemming from your leadership example. You truly have the ability to create an amazing culture that can then execute on the strategies, the financials, and the systems, and the processes, and all those things that create sustainable, predictable, and transferable cash flow from a more valuable company, the leadership and the culture is one of those components that is absolutely crucial to make it fun to do the hard work that you have to do and to create a valuable company that you can step out of your role or do an ESOP or do whatever you want to have complete freedom. The people is what it takes. And it starts with you and how you're showing up. And we're going to be talking about how the IEP and a ton of different practical things that Anissa is going to be talking about can help you identify where you're at today and what you need to do to make the people part easier so you can focus on the strategies and the tactical things that'll get you to where you want to go. And one thing to look forward to when you're listening to the show is the five questions that Anissa is going to be talking about because I believe if you answer those five questions, you'll have some actionable takeaways that are going to get you closer to where you want to go. Without further ado, here's my interview with Anissa. Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. So, Anise, we were sitting there chatting and we're just hitting record because this is going to be too fun. We want everybody to hear us uh, connecting all the dots because hopefully people can connect the dots themselves. I've got, uh, they can't see me, but I'm holding it up, uh, your uh, little press kit. And I see Paul Spiegelman and Bo Burlingham as quotes. Bo's been on the show twice. Paul's been on it once. Rob Dubay, who introduced us, has been on. So I'm hoping that this is meant to be and I'm going to have a lot of fun. So you and I were just talking about um, the word intention and being purposeful and Bo Burlingham's quote on his finished big book, which is literally the first domino that sent my entire journey into play back in 2014. His whole takeaway of people need to know who they are, what they want from their business and why. Mm -hmm. That is the theme. And a lot of that ties into 
People need to understand about value, valuation, value growth, finance, blah, 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 blah. And here we are. Most of it stems from them. What do they want? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here you are. You've got some solid uh, meat that I think we can dive into. But for the listeners, let's just start back with how did you get into the work you're doing? Kind of give a brief overview of you, the books, the system, and then we can just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and first of all, I just want to say you're talking about three of my most favorite men in the entire world. I love that you just brought those guys up. I, I, <laughs> I, I, this, we were saying this a little bit before we got on too. It's so much fun to me how all of us just end up coming together in really synchronous, you know, serendipitous ways, I should say, and synchronous, I guess. So the the work, um, the way I got into it. So the work that I do, it's, it's called the IEP methodology. So IEP stands for Intentional Energetic Presence which is about being intentional about how you show up and it's how you show up for yourself, how you show up for the people that you're leading, how you show up for your organization, how you show up for your culture. Like we can go more and more into that, but basically it's just about being intentional about how you're showing up and how you're taking care of yourself. So before so, we keep going, would you yeah. mind, I usually save this for the, the last uh, question on these, but what does the word intentional mean for you? So because it's literally ingrained in your system, I'd love to set the groundwork. So good. Oh, so good. I, so good. Uh, so intentional for me means saying what I want to create and then embodying that and holding that as a constant way of being in relationship with myself. So it's, it's saying, here's what I want to create. And then that helps guide my actions, my thinking, my way that I show up, my, even my breathing. If I'm, if I'm clear and connected to my intention, that helps create everything down the line. Doesn't mean I'm always going to get it. <laughs> but it's very useful to be a true north. Right. And like, it'd be interesting because when you're talking about leadership and culture, which you'll give some um, overview of the IEP and I'm hoping some of the things we can dive into in this interview is, you know, the awareness and the education is what allows people to create that vision. And I see a lot of times that it's there are people not necessarily understanding the possibilities. And so you've really dialed into leadership and culture. So I'll stop. Now I'll shut up and let you explain your background. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. And, and I, if you, I mean, I have a feeling Ryan, you and I could probably sit here and talk for eight hours and just so you know, like we can go anywhere you want to go. That's, that's, that's <laughs> fine and helpful. Um, but, I, but I'll say that what I have found, and, and this is one of the things I love the most about this work is that 70% of it is about the awareness. The other 30% is what you actually do with it. Because once you have the awareness that you're not creating the impact that you want, or you're not, your relationship isn't working out the way that you want it to be, or you're not creating the business results you want. As soon as you have the awareness that you're actually a part of that, <laughs> now you have all the power to start shifting it. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's when we don't have awareness, we end up suffering and struggling and all that stuff because we don't know what's actually happening. As soon as we're clear, like, oh, I'm actually part of the problem. I can do something here. Now I have, now I have all the power in the world to start shifting it. So mm-hmm. um, I started in this work. So I actually started working with athletes years and years and years ago as a kinesiologist. And I did athletic training and, you know, work with the athletes in the training rooms and get them ready to go out and play their games. And then when they got broken, I would wrap their ankles. (laughs) And um, it was was super fun, super fun. Um, But long story short, decided I didn't want to wrap ankles for the rest of my life, moved into um, clinical exercise and cardiac rehab moved into, um, let's see, worked in corporate America for a while, working in health, health prevention, preventive health, let's see, preventive health services and injury prevention. Did that, really loved that. Uh, went and worked in, uh, with, a, with Dr. Dean Ornish in reversing heart disease. So that was, that was something I did years and years ago. And then I had my baby. And once I had my baby, I decided that I never wanted to work again. Do you have kids? I've got twin girls that are four. Oh, oh my gosh. So you're, oh gosh, you're right in it. Thank God daycare is still open at this moment. Uh, By the time this podcast goes out, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Oh my gosh, four-year-olds. I'm just, oh, I've got four-year-old nephew and niece. Anyway, once I had, I don't know, I don't know if you guys went through anything like this, but when I had my first child, I had like this allergic reaction to ever doing anything again, except for just being with him all the time. And so I decided I was going to stay home. I was going to, you know, fully lean into that. And uh, long story short, after about a year of doing that, really, really realized that I missed my work, really missed being out there, really missed having impact. And so I sat in my Dodge Durango at the time while Jake took a nap in the back seat. And I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but now I see I was actually setting intentions for what I wanted to create. So I started looking at like, 
well, if I was going to work and, and get a job at the time I was thinking of a job, if I was going to get a job that would be so fulfilling to me, that it would be worth being away from him. What would I be doing? How would I be feeling? What experience would I have? And I started to craft this job description on all these post-its. And by the time he woke up from his nap, I crafted like this really beautiful job. There was no such thing as that beautiful job. So I created a company out of it. So cool. Um, it's so it's so interesting to sh- short story on that is uh, for years before changing my uh, introductions, I used to say, so tell me, how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? And 90% of the people were like, I didn't decide it accidentally happened. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ask that question anymore. So very, very few people that I realized they, they, they found a market opportunity or problem. And then they all of a sudden rolled that wave. So it's very yeah. interesting that you crafted it from the beginning. So you, yeah. and you were, you integrated the word intention. So what is the business that you have right now? Kind of give us a quick overview of the two books and then the methodology and we can, I'd love to, to peel it apart. Sure. Well, the business is technically named Active Choices Incorporated, which nobody ever hears that name. That's You'll see that name on an invoice occasionally. <laughs> but what people usually know it by is by the IEP method or by my name. And the business itself is it basically, it's leadership development, it's cultural development, it's working with people around building their resiliency, navigating burnout and preventing it before we even get there, and then really looking at the impact of energy and how we show up in mm-hmm. our, what is the actual impact of that and how much that actually costs us, which would be another huge conversation for you and I to have, right? Mm-hmm. Because the financial implications of people bringing negative energy to the, to the workplace, of not bringing their best self of not taking care of themselves. It's expensive. So mm-hmm. my company focuses, I work with people privately, exec, I do executive coaching, and then we train people in the methodology so that they help their leadership teams bring up their resiliency and all that good stuff that goes with it. That's awesome. And in there's, you've got two books, right? Contagious, uh, contagious culture and contagious you. And yeah. what, as I've been was uh, doing some of the research on you and the company and the process, what, what I come a couple of the themes that I'd love to dive in as we kind of wrap around yeah. your methodology of this is that it's interesting as I've gone through the, the last five years of the podcast and then the um, business that we've created it's so crazy. I never was a finance guy. We were talking about how intentions and culture and what you're doing and the finance are different parts of the same equation. And one big takeaway that I've seen on these is that the moment that people realize that they're trapped, right? So they're stuck in this annual income solving for what they're doing every day. And they're not thinking about the value of the company and their options down the road. The moment they're out of energy and they're burnt out, you can lay down how you can make millions of dollars more by reinvesting, building out good cultures and systems and processes to create more value, and they can't mentally do it. So like I literally say when we're done with these presentations, I'm like, you can do anything you want. Like this, private equity does this every day. They create millions of dollars of value, but they're thinking about it like an asset where the moment that people run out of energy, the, the work that we show people they have to do, they don't want to do it anymore. It's truly almost impossible. Yep. And so they end up selling, like the people that have been on the show or Bo Burlingham interviewed, it was like, yeah, I regretted it because I got burnt out. So I thought I had to sell. And that oh, is God. like the opposite of what we want. Oh. Everybody. So that, that, gonna- that actually, that actually makes my heart hurt. And it, and I, and I feel tears in the back of my eyes thinking about that, like getting to that point. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you saw that, 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 I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me that you're seeing that, that directly. I see it more usually in a cultural leadership standpoint in terms of how that turns out with behaviors, but the financial, there's another example of the financial impact of it. Well, you know, people just don't realize like, so like, you know, I'm just so sick as I want out. And I'm like, well, you want out of your job or do you want out of the financial asset? And they've never thought about it in separate ways like that. Right. And I'm like, well, technically it's really my job. I'm sick of the responsibility. I get toxic culture. I'm not passionate anymore. All the things that you talk about, <laughs> and this is what I'm trying to set the stage of here. Once they, if they can solve what you're talking about, I believe that people have the energy to execute. That's kind of that 70, 30 thing you're talking about. So kind of set laying the groundwork of, you know, it's the individual who's the owner, but then it's their culture. And, you know, if you hate coming to work, you're going to want to sell, but financially it could be a horrible decision or the impact or the lack of impact that you could have oh. if you stayed. So anyways, oh. with that being said, you know, maybe kind of given it, you know, you've got the two books, what's the theme of the two books? And then how does sure. that relate and kind of give an example? I know we can't see the pictures, but we've got, you know, like the, 
Oh, wow. Little graphic you've got. So, oh my gosh, you're all prepared. <laughs> you printed things out. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, 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 yes. So, um, and I just want to say, like, I've met those people, right? I can remember being at a conference, at a big entrepreneurial conference years ago. And this guy had, like, a lot of times people here. So, so what we're about to talk about, a lot of times people, their first response is to go, eh. That's the soft stuff. I don't have time to deal with that. Let's look at the finances. Let's look at the hard stuff, you know? Show me the money. <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the money. And the, and the, and the, one, that, the one that makes me insane is the um, comment, like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And so then they're totally burnt out. And, then, and, I, and I can remember having a really intimate conversation with somebody who he had lost his, he, he burned out, he'd sold his business, he'd ruined his leadership team, he'd gotten a divorce, he'd done all this stuff. And he was like, if I would have just taken a moment he goes, I wish I would have just taken a moment to think about what else I could have done proactively. But at that time I was so fried, it didn't matter anymore. And he let go of this really cool thing. So as you share that, that's bringing me back to like, that was an ink conference years ago. So anyway, mm-hmm. all right. So the contagious culture, that was the first book that was in 2015. I wrote that book um, because I wanted to show people a lot of times when I work with organizations, um, no matter what size they are, they think that culture is created by the, the executives of the company, you know, culture's created out there. And what really is true is that culture's created in here. Every single one of us is creating the culture, whether we're the owner of the company or whether we're the front desk person or we're the janitor, we're creating the culture of the company just by the way that we show up, the energy we're bringing to everything. And so I wrote that book to really help people create, uh, build the bridge between pointing the finger outwards and thinking they don't have any power around culture to actually pointing the finger back at themselves and seeing that as soon as I actually point the finger back at myself, I have all the power in the world to shift my culture. So in that book, you know, I go into the IEP methodology. I took people through teaming, you know, and there's a chapter in there called um, hiring and firing for the energetic good of all, because as you and I both know, if you are bringing in the wrong people, cause you're so exhausted and you're not being intentional about it, then you're now further toxifying your culture, et cetera, et cetera. So contagious culture was really built to introduce the body of work to the world, and then also to help people really look at how do I create a healthier team and a healthier culture so I can create better financial results. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that was up until a couple of years ago, I didn't really worry <laughs> about the financial side of it too much because I mean, I, I see you like fully <laughs> smiling, right? Because I'm sure you've heard that from a million people. I, I'm, a, I'm a creative, I lead with my heart, I lead by intention, I lead by intuition, um, I care very much about having a healthy, financially healthy business and helping people have financially healthy businesses. But what I've always believed is that if you take care of the people and you take care of focusing and being intentional about the impact you want to create, the money and the finances take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. I tend to agree with you. I really do. I totally agree with that. What I've also learned over the last, I would say, especially five, six years <laughs> is that you also really need to be having an intention around the financial aspect and linking and connecting the dots. So in 2015, when I wrote Contagious Culture, I didn't really go into the financial thing. It just was like, take care of your people. And I promise you, and we would see it and people would report, they'd say, you know, yeah, we're doing this. Our turnover is less, our lost time is less, et cetera, et cetera. But then after Contagious Culture, I started to get all these questions. Like I was in a lot of rooms, I was traveling a lot. I was speaking to a lot of different companies And um, there were all these questions starting to look at, well, what's the financial impact really? And what's the science behind it? And I am really doing my work as a leader on my IEP, but what about all the people around me that aren't doing it, you know? And so um, I remember having somebody come up to me after a keynote and he literally came up and he patted me on the shoulder and he said, good job, good job. And he's like, I'm really glad you talked to my team about this. This is super, super important. They really needed to have it. Uh, Do me a favor and send me the culture change list of how to change my culture. My team needs the stuff. I've already got this figured out. I just need a list. And he left. And the person, the, the, the people that I was talking to, when he walked away, they all looked at me and they said, oh my God, Anise, that's the guy we wanted you to get through to because he's the one that we each, we're, he's the one that we keep working around, that we're quitting, that we're talking about, that is exhausting our teams, but he's the head of the company. We can't really do anything about him. We wish you would have, we wish you could have gotten through to him better. And I went away from that event. And I remember driving to the airport. I was in the Uber or whatever and going to the airport and just feeling so bummed because I felt like I had not, I felt like I had not done a good enough job of really connecting the dots for him 
even though some people they're not going to want these dots and that's totally fine. Like, yeah, not, right. Like, this is a guy I'm that not, could have done it, right? Like, yeah, he wasn't yeah. completely ignoring it. No, completely, completely. And, and I, you know, that was also like another thing I had to really look at. It's like, it's not my responsibility to always connect the dots for everyone. However, in that conversation, I walked away and I was like, actually, I need to do, we need to go deeper into this work and really connect the dots in a deeper way. So Contagious You got born after that, you know, par- partially due to that experience. And then also really wanted to build a, a manual for people basically to help them build their IEP more deeply, really get that they are the culture, learn how to navigate the, I call them the G's of the world. They, they used to be called Georges and Georgettes because I had never met a George or Georgette in a room ever. And so those were always my pick on people. But since I wrote that book, now I keep meeting them. And so now I just call them the G's. <laughs> um, but that book, you know, that book was really written to take the work deeper, help people build a stronger energy field, learn how to really navigate the more toxic stuff in their companies. And then we did case studies and we pulled financial numbers and we, you know, I did a lot of research. I worked with a neurobiologist and a therapist and we just, that book is loaded with like, here, okay, here, you guys want the numbers. Well, the, uh, you know, on the fence people, whether this is real or not, th- this is your proof. Totally. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So um, before, because I want you to give the overview of the IEP um, and your methodology, but maybe before that, and maybe it's in, integrated into your answer of this, but what's yeah. your definition of culture? Like, is it, you know, how do you quantify it? And you talk about, you know, toxic culture versus not like, what is it, yeah. you know, what is culture? What's a good culture? What's a bad culture? Maybe. And again, it might be in, in your answer for the IEP. Great. No, it, it, it's actually, let's, let's hit it directly. Cause it's, it's such an important question. So my definition of culture is basically the energy of the environment that you create for people to show up and do their best work or not. It's how do we feel when we get together? Are we, do we feel big? Do we feel inspired? Do we feel loved? Do we feel seen? Do we feel cared about? Do we feel on purpose? And it's the energy and the emotion that gets created in the, what, what, what is the energetic field of the organization? And it can be, your culture can be your family. It can be your best friends. It can be your team. It could be your entire organization. It could be you and your spouse like that. Every, we're always creating culture. There's a, there's a couple interesting, um, in interesting things that I've uh, resonated with over the years that helped me further identify situations where someone said, so it's when you get off a conversation with someone on the phone, in work, whatever, do you feel excited and more energized or drained? And like, I literally started eliminating people from my life where I got off and I was like, that sucked. <laughs> and then there was another way, uh, one of my friends in our CEO peer group, he goes, Pretend you can never, out of scale of one to 10, if you're rating the interaction, you can never rate it a seven ever again. Mm. And so you have to rate it a six or an eight. And you're like, well, a seven's an easy out because it's always just lukewarm. And so then all of a sudden you're like, well, that was a six. And you're like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you're just like, but that, I guess my point of bringing that up is like, that's ah. kind of a way to quantify that energy that you're talking about. Oh my gosh. Big time. I, I love that six. I've never thought of that six and eight thing. That's, I love that. I love that. It's, I am um, brutal. If you, if you actually apply it. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Ooh, I'm, I'm going to play with that one. That's, I love that. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think to your point, like you walk away from a conversation, you feel exhausted. There's an entire chapter in contagious you about that. And it's called OPPPE, which is other people's problems, projections, and mm-hmm. contagious expectations. <laughs> and I'm very well aware of the fact that OPPPE means something different on the song. And I purposely, you know, like I get it, <laughs> um, but it's, that's that chapter, but it talks about, you know, like if when your phone lights up and you see someone's caller ID coming up, if your heart sinks, you got a low vibration thing going on there and there's either cleanup to do or um, elimination or, or whatever it might be. And my, my thing is always looking at what is the cleanup that needs to happen? If I've got relationships in my life or I keep people seeing, if I keep seeing people show up on my calendar invites and I'm like, oh man, Jack is in that meeting again. Then that means I've got some energetic hygiene work to do around my relationship with Jack. And mm-hmm. Jack might be the lowest vibration in the room. There's there's a thing this uh, that, you know, in the IEP work, which is called the lowest vibration in the room. And the lowest vibration in the room is the person who just seems like they're absolutely devoted to sucking the life out of the room. You know, they're sitting there, they're like, they may say everything, their body language is exhausting. 
And by room, I'm saying, you know, in actual physical presence or even on screens, like even now with us, all of us in this pandemic, we're on screens all the time. Well, it still is very applicable. In fact, even more so, because now you can see 20 people on the screen instead of in a meeting, at least you're not having to look at everyone directly. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> now, it's, now it's even more, oh, oh, Siri's talking to me. Um, now it's even more blatant, you know, but the, the rule is that the lowest vibration in the room will win unless somebody is really good at holding their state. And once you've got awareness of this work, or once you've got awareness that your presence has impact, that's you now. Like you as leader, it's your responsibility to hold your state and see if you can help raise the lowest vibration in the room. And we've seen it, you know, I'm sure you've been in those meetings where oh, we yeah. go in, we're all feeling great. You know, you and I go in for a meeting. We're like, okay, let's right, We're going to get this done. We're going to get this done. And then we got, you know, Jack in the corner over there and he's just nah, nah, nah. generally what will happen is you and I will start to, if we're not good at holding our space, we'll start to drop down and we'll start to meet Jack. Nah, nah, right and then we walk out of the room we're like wow that meeting totally sucked and we just created it and then jack's like oh see i proved it meetings are terrible yeah self-reinforcing and there's a there's this analogy that i heard years ago that said you can put a drop of gallon or a drop of milk into a gallon of gasoline nothing happens but if you put a drop of gasoline into a gallon of milk the entire gallon of milk is spoiled Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, because it was this one person. Because like when I when I got into the family business, it was extremely toxic. Like real, like just every and in like we got to the point where we had this Zappos type culture. And God yeah. bless Tony Shea, who's oh, yeah. uh, now passed. But the uh, we had that culture. And we hired one person. You're like, oh my gosh! Like you can't get rid of this person fast enough. So what's the those uh, dive in? Because you've 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 taken these analogies that I've gotten. You've actually you made a process around how to take stupid <laughs> things that I'm saying and actually identify the real things that are going on. Oh no. It's so, well, no, it's so good. Cause every time you tell a story, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got, I like, yes. And, and anyway, okay. So, all right. The actual <laughs> methodology, I'll tell you the, the methodology and then we can look at whatever, whatever else works with this. The, there's three parts. So uh, first of all, intentional energetic presence is being intentional about your energetic presence. It is also about being clear about your intentions and clean clear and clean about your intention. Because if your intention is clean, if it's in service of, if, if, if it is doing something good, then my belief is that intention is much more likely to happen. If your intention is not so clean and there's like some manipulation in there and some like dark stuff going on, it's people feel it. So being clear and clean on your intention, um, taking really good care of your energy, which means your energy, your stamina, your well-being, your health, all that good stuff. And then there's being present, which is being present to the moment and also being really aware of how you're showing up with the people around you. So that's that's IEP. The actual method is just three parts. One is rebooting your presence in the moment. So at any moment, you can just, wow, I'm in a really bad mood right now. I'm going to reboot. I'm going to come in and lead my team. Wow, I'm really, this, this meeting is going really crappy right now. Hmm, how am I contributing to that? Oh, you know what? Look at the face I've got going on. I'm going to reboot. You know, so there's rebooting your presence. There's a whole... There's a whole framework around that. The second part of the methodology is building a very strong energetic field and foundation. And we can talk more about that because that goes into your relationships, your language, your self-care, like the dynamics of that. Um, and then the third part of the methodology is creating a really uh, intentional impact. It's just creating intentional impact. And there's a five-step framework for that. So what's what's super interesting about how you've you know, systematize the ability to become aware of this. And that's, I don't even know if that's a phrase, but like you, you've, you've got the ability to quantify this because I I've noticed that. And Pat and I, my partner have been trying to, we've been struggling with some of our messaging, even though we've read the story brand, all this stuff. And it's about this. How do you identify and connect these dots for us? And the reason this relates is because I believe that a lot of business owners have a fairly decent vision of what they want with the future. And like, um, there was a gentleman from the Halftime Institute that said, Lloyd, he said, I don't know exactly what the future is going to look like, but I know what it's going to feel like. So he, mm. he was more feeling. And then there's other people who it's, I want $5 million and 20 million in revenue. So like somehow there's some sort of like combination of things that people can envision. And then they go along and they don't realize that they're missing the mark emotionally and financially. And I think that's kind of the, the two sides of this. And 
then it's, then what do you do about it? Right. And so there's this, you know, then, then you kind of get exhausted with how far away you are from what you thought you could create. And that I, the reason I bring that up, cause that's the third part of your uh, system. You're talking about the impact. I think right. if you have this desire to make an impact, but you're missing the mark consistently or yeah. you're constantly running in the struggle, it's going to lead more to burnout. So, you, I mean, I don't know if that's something with your deal where you can't go straight out to the outer ring because you can't, yeah. you haven't done the, the first work or what? Right. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Yeah. Yes. So, um, again, like 20 things I want to say to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I can rally you. You just look and lob them over. Yeah, so good. Okay. So, um, Yes. So, so we just, we just said the method, those three things, there's a model. So there's the method and then there's the model, the model you talked about with the three rings, basically in the center of the model. And people can go look at this. If you guys go to, um, IEP.io, you'll get, you can get downloads, a lot of free stuff. It'll show you the model. It'll give you some tools, et cetera, et cetera. So, so just don't and worry we'll about trying to get- It's in the show notes too. So we'll be Perfect. good. Perfect. Um, okay. So the model itself, it starts in the middle is you, and this is just the essential you. And the essential you is basically your purpose, your intention, your core values, because you and I both know how essential that is. Um, it's you being able to hold your space. I call it bubbling up so that I'm not getting sucked into everybody else's stuff. I'm not getting sucked into everybody else's energy, which is which is tricky, right? So that that's you. That the in the center, it's you 100 percent authentic. It's it's um, you know, being who you are, not who everybody else is telling you that you should be. So mm-hmm. that's essentially you. That is the most important part. It's right in the center of the model. The next layer out is your energy and your presence, which is the energy and stamina that you have. It's how you're showing up. It's your physical environment, you know, like how you actually take care of your physical body, your environment, everything in your environment has an impact. So your office, your screen, um, you, by the way, have a beautiful background on your screen. Like I am actually so enjoying watching your background. Like I actually feel calmed by your background. And we all know the experience of somebody's background. We're like, Oh my gosh, is that your underwear hanging on the back door? You know, like, <laughs> you know, or just chaos. So it's a, just a small good story to interject there. You, um, there was a gentleman. My, so I saw that you were a, a, a speaker at inbound for HubSpot and my oh, wife, yeah. my wife is a marketing manager at a, uh, at, at a business and she was uh, participating in the virtual inbound for HubSpot and some guy, was who's a keynote, right? So this, I don't know how this relates, but he's the keynote. So probably speaking in front of what, three to 5,000 people, probably getting paid five to 25 grand, whatever it is. And I go up and she's in the kitchen on over lunch and I'm looking and this guy is in his like closet yeah. with all this shit everywhere. I was like, dude, like, would you have done this if it was the keynote? Like, I don't understand right. like how, and it just degrades everything that he's doing. <laughs> It does. And, and here's the thing that, here's the thing that's so crazy about that, right? Is it so many times, like we don't know until we know, right? So like that guy, I, I don't, I don't know who that was. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Like who knows what happened for him that, that, that was the situation. But if that was the situation, that's what he's doing normally. Like he's not going to know until he knows and has the awareness around, Hey, wait, what is my background? And what is the tone I'm actually setting for the people that are watching me on screen? And it's the same with our teams. You know, like I've got an article right now I'm working on, which is basically um, you know, do you exhaust your team before you even say hello on screen? You know, and the exhaustion is like, I get on screen and I'm watching again, I've got eight people, 10 people, 20 people, 500 people, whatever on screen. I've got, a, I've already, I already have to process all that now, which is taking up a ton more mental capacity and bandwidth. Um, and so now if I'm looking, I've got people eating and they're not paying attention and then they're looking on their phones like that's now I can see everybody. And so if I'm leading my meeting, I have a responsibility, one, to make sure that my background and the way that I'm personally showing up is going to be life giving on screen. And then as a the leader of the team, I also have the responsibility and I think of it as responsibility, meaning able to respond versus taking care of everyone. I also have the responsibility to make agreements with my team of like, hey, guys, what do we want our impact to be? In a, in a room together. Mm-hmm. We, we can proactively go through, you can go, you can proactively go through this entire, the entire model and the entire methodology and create agreements with your team saying, all right, how do I want to create it? So it feels really, really good to be together, you know, and right. it takes two seconds. It's just awareness. Yep. So, so back to, so the, so that first quadrant, you know, in, in, in energy and presence, it's uh, really looking at your physical and your mental or your physical and your environmental energy. It's looking at your thinking because our thinking completely um, is either adding to or detracting from our energetic field. 
my language, you know, if I'm, if I'm walking around saying a lot of like, I'm going to try, I hope I'm trying, I'm hoping like that I is, can't, contract I, can't, I won't, it's not possible. All it's that not possible, but, but, but I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Like these are exhausting, exhausting words. And so you want to like, look at, is your language setting you up, you know? So like, instead of busy, maybe you're saying you're richly scheduled or on purpose or, you know, well used instead of, um, try, you're saying I intend, or I will, or whatever. So that, you know, it's everything in, um, your mental and emotional energy. Then you're looking at your vibrational energy, which is actually the energy that you're putting out to the rest of the world, you know, how you're actually showing up, which I feel like we've talked about. And then your relational dynamics. If you are surrounding yourself with people who are low vibe, who complain all the time, who don't take care of themselves, who think your culture sucks, then that you'll start to match that. That's the lowest mm-hmm. vibration. So you really want to be conscious and intentional about your relationships and who you surround yourself with. So that's that level that you saw that's energy and presence. And then here's the thing. If you've got essential you and your energy and your presence clean and clear, you know, cause that energy presence circle also really supports your essential you and helping you hold your space. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the cleaner my diet is, the more I'm taking care of my body, the cleaner my thinking is, the better my relationships are, the more able I'm going to be able to hold my own space and not get totally bombarded by all the negative energy that's out there. And that to me is a responsibility as a leader. So that third level out then looks at the skills. The skills is where most people want to start. They want to start with communication. They want to start with leadership development. They want to start with feedback skills. That stuff's a piece of cake if you have those inner circles right. But when you start with skills and you don't have the inner circles right, I don't care how brilliant you are. If you're making people feel, you know, if you're leaving dead bodies everywhere you go and you are exhausted, it doesn't matter. And then you have your impact. And I want to, quick short story, and then I want to hear your your how you would respond if I wanted to jump right to the that third level of the skills. But uh, quick um, relation, uh, I think a relatable example is like there uh, Simon Sinek's new book, um, The Infinite Game. I think it was his book. It was either his or Brene Brown's, you know, there's some of this, there's a lot of these common themes that are going out there about being, you know, going and having clear conversations and a lot of the stuff you're talking about. Um, they talked about even the highest skilled, uh, I think it was either the Navy SEALs or some ridiculous, uh, you know, high performers The they won't hire or bring on the most skilled if the person essentially sucks. It was an asshole. Yeah, because they just won't do it because you're it's about that group cohesiveness yep. and that flow between everybody that they won't yep. they would rather take someone that is a hard worker and you know pretty much at the top of their game versus otherwise so you can't go straight to that skill set to your point yeah you can't no you can't you you know it's 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 funny that the um you mentioned earlier like the outer area the most outer part of the model is impact you know what you want your impact to be and everybody listening to this right now can relate to, can, can, can see probably a hundred places where you've seen this in the last month. So the impact people will often say to me is I'll go, oh, okay, Anise, we want to have a really good culture. And I want to be a really good leader. Like this is the impact I want. I want to, I want to, I want a culture of leadership and accountability. Great. So then they go. So the way we're going to do that is we're going to have really good leadership skills and we're going to make sure we hire only people with awesome credentials. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> So, so, okay, great. So there's your, that's your strategy, our impact, we have, you know, great culture, great leadership. So we're going to make sure we put, and even we're going to put everyone through killer kick butt leadership training. Okay. That's all on the outside circle of the model. It's all on the outside. It's the skills that outside circle is skills and competencies. So you're great. You're going to go train all your people. You're going to train them in this feedback model, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'll say, well, great. Love it. Love it that you're looking yes, at that. Thumbs up. <laughs> Love it. Like double thumbs up that you're looking at impact and what you want to create. Love it that you're willing to really put people through leadership development and everything. Can we talk about the essential you and also making sure that people are really bringing themselves and taking care of their energy and their presence and how they're showing up? Like, let's talk about that. Nine times out of 10, not so much anymore. Like over the last couple of years, especially since I wrote the book, I the books, I don't get this as much. However, it still happens. Nine times out of 10, people will go... Yeah, you know, (laughs) that's the soft stuff. That's the soft stuff. We got to focus on the outside rings. So here's what ends up happening on the outside rings. If you're just focusing on feedback, I want everyone just to think about somebody who's really good. Maybe they've got their, I don't know, they got their MBA and their PhD and like all this stuff. And they're really good. They've been trained the best feedback and leadership models in the world. And they come and they give you your feedback. However, they're coming. They're not present. 
they're scattered, they're looking at their phone, you can feel that they're busy. Maybe you can feel that they're kind of judging you a little bit because they think that they're frustrated, they gotta give you this feedback again. You know, I, I don't know, you can name like a million things or they're just totally exhausted and they're telling you how busy they are. And so they give you this great feedback and they've got all these credentials, but you walk away from that conversation and you feel smaller, you don't feel seen, you don't feel cared about and you feel exhausted for that conversation. I don't care how awesome that person's leadership prowess is or their credentials or the training they just went through. If they're not paying attention to how they're showing up and they're not taking them care, care of themselves and they're not intentional about the impact they actually want to have on that human being, they've just lost a ton of opportunity and potentially made things even worse than if they just done nothing at all. Well, yes, so agree. And that goes back to you. I mean, I don't care how awesome you are at a skill. If you're still a jerk, you're just that a jerk. And and to, yeah. to make it less abrasive, like I think another interesting example that I've per, uh, personally been, and I know a lot of people struggle with it, is if you're the if you're a business owner listening in, yeah. and you're this individual and you don't know it, yeah. And you say, and I think what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs who are first time founders aren't in the private equity backed or VC world where they're immediately trying to build something to sell. This is a lot, you know, someone that was a good craftsman or, you know, they really built something crazy, whether it's, you know, a couple million or a couple hundred million, right. it's their baby, right? Kind of the Bull Burlingham theme of this. They've kind of done it already. When I say done it, they're the entrepreneur that started, grew it, survived up against all odds, all the people. Right. So then it might not be an MBA or a PhD, but it's experience. It's, this is my business. You know, this is my baby. So you can, you know, whatever they don't, they truly do not have to listen to their employees. I'm not saying that everybody that's listening and thinks that way, but how do you tap through to that and say, this is the opportunity you're missing? You know, so it's, it's without, you know, I mean, it's a tough deal and this is soft stuff, but it's super real. Like, I mean, you can walk in and every single time I walk out of a business on our coaching and, and uh, CFO business, yeah. the, 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 potential is based on the leader. Like, I'm just like, they're, they're right for private equity because they can't take it to the next level. Like it's true. You know what I mean? Like it's just true that leader has hit their top threshold. And there was a woman, uh, Allie Taylor, who I should introduce you to wrote, uh, do you know Allie from orange Kiwi? She's integrated with uh, Bo Burlingham and she did her PhD on the the psychological makeup of business owners. And she said that there's a direct correlation with relinquishing control and the size of the business. Interesting. So I, that's a lot to you, but I just, you know, the people that are like in that situation where they yeah. have to have that hard self-reflection. Yeah. Science that says, if you do this, there's a huge upside. There is. There is. So, all right. So there's, um, mm, so delicious. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Like my mouth is literally watering. Um, okay. So, First, so so that so the question the original question was so that person doesn't know that they're them and they're just there. It's like and the school like, of hard knocks where it's like yeah. you know, even that that individual might even look down at someone that's got an MBA or PhD because they're like I've done it already. You know right. what I mean? So there's right. this whole right. Okay, great. All right. So so I so I feel so I see this all the time. I remember somebody once telling me that they would not spend a penny to do any of the work that we're talking about because they had created a fantastic company that was on the Inc. 500 list. And that the way that they had gotten to where they were at was they would throw phones at their people and their people were scared of them. And that's how they led. And it was working for them. That company a year later, I don't know where they went, but I couldn't find them anywhere. So, 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 but that was the mindset. The person was like, we have grown so much. We're totally rocking it out of the park. What are you going to get? And I remember him saying to me, are you going to get me to stop throwing phones at my people? And I said, do you want to stop throwing phones at your people? And he goes, no, it totally works for me. I said, then I'm super not going to get you to stop throwing phones at your yeah, people. Keep doing so, it before, man. So like, there's that extreme, right? Then there's other extreme, which I, which I tend to think that 95% of the people walking around that are that person who just don't, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And they're so exhausted, right? Ryan, or they're, they're so focused. Like they just don't know. It's just, they just don't know yet. And so I have what I call the five magic questions, which for somebody who's like, "Mm, I don't think this is for me, or I'm not sure, you know, or I've gotten to this certain point, I'll ask these five questions. And the first question is, are you having the impact that you want to have? And I just have them do a gut check, like yes or no. You know, the next question is, do you feel the way you want to feel? And that's a really important one. Like, and I'll tell them, you don't have to tell me, but this is just for you. Like, I'm not, I'm not attached. I, my agenda is 
people do what they want to do. Like I've got a clear intention for what I'm doing in the world, but I'm not attached to anybody doing, you know, like I'm not attached. So, you know, are you having the impact you want to have? Do you feel the way you want to feel? And it's, it's a yes or no, right? Like we know we just got check. Yes or no. Third question. Do people follow you because they want to, or because they have to? That's beautiful. (laughs) Okay. And then I'll add to that. And Oh, by the way, do they work with you? and stay married to you or in relationship with you because they want to or have to. That's a big one. The marriage one is a really interesting one. If, if people really, I, I've had a lot of times where people have been like, no, my team likes me. They want, and I'll be like, well, what about your spouse? And just thinking about that will sometimes, sometimes shine a little bit of a light around, okay, wait a minute, hold on. How am I actually showing up? The fourth question is, um, what kind of a culture are you personally creating? personally creating. So for that leader, are you creating a culture that is inspired? People feel safe. They, they want to come take risks. They're willing to give you 110%. They're giving you their best thinking. Are you creating a culture that's actually really careful? That's just kind of like doing the minimal thing possible because they can feel your resistance. Like what kind of a culture are you personally creating? And then the last question is how are you living and are you living in alignment with your core values? Those five questions I have not met anybody who honestly can get through all five of those questions and be like, yep, got no work to do here. Because in those five questions, <laughs> if you answer those honestly, then there is something in the IEP work for you and looking at your intentionality, the way you're taking care of yourself, the way you're showing up, your level of presence and the culture that you're creating, if you answer honestly. So that's often what we'll do. And then, and then, and then real quick, if that doesn't work, then I whip out on my numbers. I got, I got like billions and billions of dollars are spent every year in lost productivity due to low engagement because of the things we're talking about right now, billions, 483 to $605 billion was lost in the United States in 2016 due to actively disengaged employees in 2016, actively disengaged employees only made up 16% of the workforce. 51% of them were disengaged. Okay. That's not good. And only 33% were engaged. So, I mean, like if you do the math there and transfer that over, then you can look at your loss. I mean, there's a million ways you can, there's a million. In the the specific story, Daniel Pink's book, um, God, what the hell? Oh, drive. I read that a long time ago. Oh yeah. There's something that resonated with me when he was talking about, um, as I was helping uh, kind of turn around the culture of uh, the old family businesses, what are your employees thinking about while they're in the shower? Yeah. And they talked about 20% of Google's engineers time were free time to develop whatever, whatever they want. Gmail was created in someone's free time. Yeah. And you just go, okay, like just as a, I mean, and if you boil it, going back to your numbers, if you're the greediest person on the planet, <laughs> you still should do this, right? Like why would you want, if you have one employee or thousands, why would you want a thousand people figuring out how to do the least amount of work possible. Like, I just don't understand, like, as a, just a, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Or, or how to work around you. Right. Or how to work around you or, or, or how to like, you know, do you want those people, you know, that 20% of the time, the shower thing, like amazing Gmail got created in the shower. Okay. Awesome. Do you want your people work thinking about innovative ideas and how to do better in the company? Or do you want them going home to their spouse, pouring a big old glass of wine and going, you would not believe my day right now and not being able to sleep, which just, you know, like there's an exercise that we do and this is, this is fun. Like there's an exercise we do when we do these sessions and we just say, okay, just take your average billable rate for every employee on your team. All right. So let's just, we've got a team of eight people. We're going to get together for a meeting. It's an hour and a, let's just say it's, let's just say it's an hour meeting and imagine you've got one hour. What's the equation? I forget the equation exactly, but basically it's like take an hour a day that you're wasting with low energy in your organization or that person you got to work around or somebody who's just sucking the life out of the room and it's a not productive meeting one hour. Okay. Which is super conservative. This hour includes the time meeting. This hour includes the time that you're going and gossiping about it and talking about how horrible your boss is and how terrible the culture is. This hour includes like, I mean, right. You, you follow me through then you're not even talking about going home, being exhausted, not sleeping, coming back the next day. Cause you're tired, blah, blah, blah. Now imagine that everyone on your team bills out average hundred bucks an hour. Then imagine that you give everyone four weeks of vacation. So it's 48 weeks a year that they're working. If you net that out, it's like almost $300,000 that it's costing you for that one yucky hour 
which I promise you it's way more. So you can have, like, you can have a lot of fun with this, really looking at what is this actually costing me? So like, to your point, if you're the selfiest or whatever, greediest, selfish, yeah. whatever, yeah, right. so if you're the greediest person on the planet, this is exactly what you should do still. It's the sure. same. It's yeah, kind of the sure. whole uh, conscious capitalism uh, kick we've been on for years. It's like, even if you're the greediest <laughs> person ever, this is the right thing to do, right? Like in the world of information, people are going to find out, you know, interesting other, I, I was part of Vistage, a uh, CEO peer group. And okay. I was like eight years ago or more when I, there was an exercise kind of around this topic, but uh, yeah. a lot of, not as much research had been done at that point. They said, what if you called all of your employees spouses? What would ah. they say about you? And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can, there's, you can, Oh, there, there's a there's a cultural assessment in contagious culture, and we're actually we're actually working on a new one right now. But there's a cultural assessment, and one of the things it says in there is like, what what do you want? What are your employees saying about you at the dinner table? Mm-hmm. What are what are they saying to the people that say, hey, I want to get a job at your company? Like, what what? There's there's so many different ways to be looking at this. I and, and I think you know to your point, I'm just thinking about an organization who I remember they had two people in the company that they were like, oh man, this people are really low vibe, but I think we can work with them. And so they let them stay at the company for an extra, I think it was like nine months. And by the end of the nine months, they ended up having to let them go. But in the, in the process of doing that, they lost the trust of all the rest of the people that worked for them because they couldn't believe they were tolerating that kind of behavior. The, the well, you know, talk about the gasoline and the milk, like it mm-hmm. got totally poisoned. And that company is still doing so much cleanup because of those two people that they didn't want to let go Right. And that they just tolerate that kind of behavior. There was never once. There was never once. And I have, I have fired a lot of people and there were a lot of people by that. I was time in my mid twenties and there was never one time. Cause every time I was like, son of a bitch, I'm going to fire this person. It's my project manager that I got to you know, all that stuff that goes through your head. You wait, you wait, you wait. And then the pain gets so great that then you do it. But then I, my employees who I thought I was protecting, for workload wise came over and said, finally, <laughs> you yeah, did it. Right. I will gladly take on 30% right. more work to eliminate that person. Big time, big time. And so, and so it's so, so it's, it's so funny because you and I, I think could tell like a billion stories like this. And one of the things I'm, I'm feeling hungry to do right now is for all the people listening. It's like, so what do you actually do about it then? You That's know, so great. Thank you for doing that for me. <laughs> no, because honestly, like I want to, I want to talk more about all this. And I'm also aware, like, we can only have so much time together right now. So, um, so here's, it's so like, just first of all, just noticing it, like just noticing what you're tolerating in your organization uh, for, from people around you. But here's the magic place from yourself, because this is never about like if I've got an energetic issue on my team and, and you, you got to understand, like you're talking to a woman who I believe that if there are people on my team that have got really low energy and they're sending out invoices or they're sending out emails, energy gets translated in emails. <laughs> emails. So if I'm not in a good space, like if I'm, if I'm not in a good space, if I know that my energetic hygiene is not clean, I can, it it is my job to get myself into a good place. And if I can't to literally, I have sent notes to my team saying, I'm not fit to leave today. I'm going to take the afternoon off and go do some energetic hygiene and really clean my stuff up. So I can come back really clean tomorrow. And that's an agreement that we have in our company. We actually have a core value, which is called energetic hygiene. And so real, it's so like, and I, it's so interesting. And I don't know, since you've been doing your work over the the years, like the brain science now. So like, even if like 10 years ago, people like, oh, bullshit, just get up and work hard nine to five manufacturing Ford supply, you know, (laughs) but now it's like, okay, like in the knowledge world, Peter Drucker was decades ahead of his time. He's saying like now the most, the most productive, the most successful people have the ability to manage themselves. Absolutely. And it's truly like, it's a thing. I mean, they've got it's enough science so out there. It's so true. And, and have you noticed, like, I'll notice if I, if I'm not in the right state and I just get in there and get it done and hustle and push through and I, and I just muscle through it, my work product, my outcome, my creativity, like it's crap. If I say, okay, Anise, not like you got to go get a workout in, you got to go take a nap. You got to go lay on your floor for 10 minutes. I don't care what you do, but you got to shift state. What I get done in a third of the period of time and how much better it is and how much more clear that work comes across. It's, it's so much better. So it's worth, you know, so, so where we started was like, notice first what's happening and what you're tolerating with your culture and in your team members, but really look at yourself first, because that's what I was going to say is that if I've got an issue with energy on my team and one of my team members, it's my responsibility first to look at what am I projecting out there 
And how am I setting the conditions where I might be creating that kind of dynamic in the company? So look at yourself first. That's your get out of jail free card because usually there's something magical in there that if you shift it, you start to see a ripple effect with the people around you. If you're doing everything you possibly can and you're really, you're cleaning your energy, you're cleaning your intentions, you're showing up well, you're communicating cleanly, you've, you've checked your five questions, then you want to start looking at, all right, what is the dynamics of the team around me? How can I set my team up better? What kind of agreements do we actually need to have? Mm-hmm. And some of the simplest things I've seen people do, Ryan, is just in a simple meeting, you know, before we get even get on screen, we have agreements for being on time. We have agreements for, um, you know, uh, no multitasking. We'll have agreements for, you know, we're going to do a 20 minute meeting and it's going to rock and that's it. We're going to have 20 minutes. Cause I know that if I give us 40 minutes, we're going to take our 40, but if I give us 20, we're yep. going to take our 20, you know, agreements around like uh, direct engagement is one of my favorite agreements. And this goes into the relational energy of, of that model. Direct engagement means if you and I have got something going on and we're irritated with each other, we have an agreement that you and I are going to talk to each other directly. Right. As opposed to going and telling the rest of the team, oh, can you believe how horrible Anise is? And then they go, oh my God, she's the worst. Now we've got this total cancer in the company. You know, so like look at what's happening in your company. Take care of your own energetic hygiene first. Set up agreements with your team. Ask people, you know, what they need in order to show up better and then ask everyone in your company to start taking accountability for their own energetic hygiene so that they bring clean energy. So there's, there's like a little way. Ton well, of it's you interesting. Play. You brought up, uh, you know, the, the agreements with others. Um, I became aware of this thing that um, actually, I think my partner, Pat, he's, he's me listening and he's ah, another thing that I've taught him. <laughs> and it's a good thing. I love how he articulates things that are intuitive but you, once you label them, you're able, able to take action on them. And yeah. what Pat told me is whether you have those agreements that are intentional, like you just said, you still have social contracts that are unsaid, like right. behaviors that you've established as okay with individuals. Right. So you're doing it regardless. And so when right. Pat explained it to me, I was like, oh my God, this like, now you can do something because you've labeled it. Otherwise right. it was just this thing. Then of course you're going to go gossip around it. Right, right, right. Well, what I, what I love about that too is like, you know, say you and I are on a team and you and I are doing some kind of a behavior that social, you know, we're doing some kind of behavior that's not productive. It's, 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 it's icky on the team, right? If we have agreements as a team and I go to start complaining to you to Pat, Pat can say to me, hey, niece, do I have an agreement around direct engagement? Have you talked to Ryan about this directly? And he can do that in a way that's loving without right. making me wrong, without shaming me. Because by the way, if we're shaming each other on any of this, nothing's going to work. Like mm-hmm. can't learn from a state of shame. So Pat can say to me, Hey niece, like, how can I be helpful to you in having a direct conversation with Ryan? So we clean up the energy of the team. Cause even me going to Pat is breaking the contract. Yeah. But totally. he can, it's you know, so true. And then in, you know, one thing, and I know we're, we're going to be wrapping up here shortly is how I've described this is like that, that, that experience that you just mentioned is uncomfortable. Yeah. And Brene Brown talks about getting in the arena and rumbling, which is just, you know, doing these hard things. And it's, it's not just uncomfortable. There's a true stomach ache. I mean, I'm, I remember yeah. so many times where you just, I actually used back you know, a long time ago when I was in the middle of this turnaround part of the culture is like, like literally sweating and like, you know, I was just not experienced enough in this. I'm like terrified in my like visceral internal reaction. So then you go, okay. If that's what I want to do to do the right thing, you know, right. again, Pat says denial is the biggest powerful force in human nature. Uh-huh. So the moment you become aware of this, you create cognitive dissonance, right. which is insanely painful because people now want to change. So how do you, you know, is that why the use in the middle? Like, cause there's this whole process. Cause if you walk into a culture and everything's a disaster, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot to be, you know, a lot to be taken care of. There, there, there is there's so much so that so that's where it's from my from my perspective that's where i become such an advocate for our personal self-care so the the the, the that that essentially you that i talked about which is basically you being so clear about your intentions in your intentions your intention has to be greater than your discomfort your commitment to your intention has to be greater to your desire to be comfortable if you are super, super clean about your commitment to your intention, which is my intention is I want a healthy culture. I want a healthy relationship. I want a healthy this. I want a healthy that. If that is my intention and I am willing to be uncomfortable 
it, it becomes a lot easier. So that that's one piece. That's the huge. other piece is I talk about the bubble. I talk about bubbling up and bubbling up is basically remembering, Ryan, that I've got my own energetic space. And if I am taking care of it, by the way, I'm taking my sleep, my food, my hydration, my exercise, my mindset. If I'm taking care of my energetic space, meditation, just because Rob today, if you're listening, meditation, <laughs> meditation, 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 um, meditation. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm holding my energetic space and really, really clear about my intention, then I'm able to start choosing how I want to interact with mm-hmm. those different things. And I'm not going to take on, this is why I said I'm um, responsible versus responsible. Totally. Because if I'm coming to my culture and I'm like responsible for it, I'm exhausted before I've even started. If I'm coming to my culture and the world, by the way, because there's a lot of stuff to be looking at right now, and I'm actually response able, which means I'm able to respond to the best of my ability and I'm going to trust that, I have a lot more space to start making a dent in mm-hmm. each thing. And the thing is, is that it is contagious in the good way, which is mm-hmm. the nature of you know, contagious culture, contagious you. Mm-hmm. It is contagious because the more I do that and the more I model that, the more other people will start to catch that and start to do the same. There's like a tipping point too, Anise, where like I noticed when we went from the toxic culture and we started making, that was, it was so painful. Like I actually described like it was like when a rock goes up and like, the, you know, things kind of flutter underneath it that have been hiding oh. for a long time. Oh. So when you get to this pinnac- this this pivotal point, the, con- the contagious nature of it, started like other people started pruning those bad people out it wasn't just me so it's like it was like it had to start there and it rippled out and it's amazing how it it just starts to take hold oh for sure for sure and i I, you know and and, and back to just the naming it part the rock lifting the rock up made me think of this i can remember going in to work with the group and i always make an intention you know of service and blah 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 all the stuff and i do my five steps to intentional impact and just because you do your five steps to intentional impact and you're clear about your intention does not mean you're going to get it because you do not have control of the people around you. Mm-hmm. I can remember going into a room and my intention was to assume good and that they really wanted to have me there. And I went in and actually the room was, was like a bunch of pit vipers. Like they didn't want me there at all. <laughs> and what was happening was their leadership had actually, there was something huge going on in the company. And long story short, we ended up throwing out the entire session we were going to do and we picked up the rock and said, okay, what's underneath this, you guys? Right. And we picked it up and said, okay, what do we see? And for three hours with that leadership team and the group, we started to look at, all right, what are the things that are actually that you're making? What are the assumptions you're making about the other leadership group? What are, what are, you know, like, and we started to name it and naming it released so much of the toxins. Cause one, once you start to name your assumptions, you start to realize they're totally assumptions and they're probably not fully real. And there's things that you can get curious about. And so, so the point being, is just like that rock that you talk about picking up, that is one of the actions around cleaning up the energetic hygiene. Just speak to it. Mm-hmm. Well, Guys, how do we feel in our culture? Do we like it? Oh, we don't like it. Okay. What's getting in the way? Cause underneath every single complaint is just an uncommunicated request. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to star that. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, one kind of as a final note from, from my perspective is like, you know, it's when it starts with you, which is, you know, the point yeah. of your process and then you're, you know, it's the hard work, but like when I went the, the polar opposite ends of the spectrum, Anise, is that if you're trying, if you've got the toxic culture or maybe not even toxic, that's not the right, right. word. Cause it's more right. just complacent, right. Just or just, vibe. yeah, it's slow, yeah. yeah, low vibe. And it's so much more difficult to work yourself out of your day-to-day job as a CEO, right? Where if like, I watched that where like, you're, you're, you're tackling every problem, every customer, every supplier, all the banking, all that stuff. Cause you, everybody's doing the bare minimum versus right. you do this work right. that you're talking about, which is right. why I think it's so freaking important is when you go through that emotional, uncomfortable work to do this, yeah. the, the culture at the end, is yeah. absolutely something where you can transition this culture. You can become an investor and sit on the board. You could do like, because the people are what hold it together. Like everybody, you know, and this is where I think private equity firms and the industry, you got it way around. They all look in spreadsheets. And I'm like, there's a people that make those numbers happen. Right. Like, you know, like you have all these amazing skyrocketing numbers. I'm like, that's a person that's the right. VP of sales that hates right. the CEO. Like, yeah. oh, I love that. Deal with it. I love that. I, I I love it so much that you're doing the work that you're doing and you're so connected to the people part of it. Like it, 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 it literally makes my heart so happy. I'm so grateful for your work. 
Oh, I appreciate it. That's a very, very welcomed affirmation. <laughs> it's a, but let's spin it back to you. So as we're wrapping up here, you've got like, I've got print printouts all over. You've got stuff on your website. You got two books. Where do we find you all over the place? And where should someone start? Great. Uh, go, go to com. There's actually on the IEP method on the navigation, there's a thing that says new to IEP, start here. That's a good place to start. If you go to IEP.com and you just subscribe, you'll get, they'll connect you with me. You're going to get like a bunch of stuff and, um, and then you'll hear from me like once or twice a month. And and then we've got, you know, the books, there's another book called the leader you will be, which is a poem that I wrote. Oh, awesome. Guys are welcome to, it's just fun. Um, and then we've got, we've got some really cool things coming up in 2021. We're going to start doing leadership cohorts. So I'm going to be doing leadership resiliency cohorts over six weeks and then team and culture cohorts, which will be a group of leaders who want to come together for about an hour and a half a week and really dig into this content and really, really learn it and integrate it. So that they, it's basically 12 weeks total, you know, if you do both of them together. So I'm super excited about that. So you'll find if you, if you get subscribed, then as soon as we open this up, you'll learn more about that. And then, I don't know, just look at the site. There's a ton there. I'm on, I'm on social media, but I've been really quiet on social media lately. And it's you and me both. Lovely. It's been you really me, nice. I know you and me both. <laughs> I've gotten so much done. <laughs> it's been really interesting, but I am out there and there's, 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 I'm, I'm yeah like that. Thank you, Ryan. This has been so much fun. And uh, we kept it to an hour, but we'll save the eight hour session for some other time. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, I, I, and I actually want to talk to you about some more. I want to, I have, I have a million things I want to talk to you about now this conversation. 